All right, first and foremost, thank you to David and Adina Barth for sponsoring tonight's Shishka on the Parsha for Parsha's Kisisa, Tafshin Peygimel, Le'ilu Nishmas, Chana, Abigail. Okay. Abigail Bas Benyamin, I just assume Anne was Chana, I'm sorry. Abigail Bas Benyamin, Mirta Shem, David's mother's Neshama should have an Aliyah. With that, let us get started. We start with the Me'ashiloh, with Mordechai Yosef Leiner. You might remember him. He was the understudy colleague of the Kutzker Rebbe, who they ultimately split and uh, started their own ways. I mentioned him last week, two weeks ago, in between Mishnah because his grandson started the renewal of Tcheles. His grandson created what we now know as but that precipitated Rabbi Yitzchak Halevi Herzog 50 years later to come up with what we now know as the real Tzelas. We believe it's the real Tzelas. But anyways, his grandson, I think his name was Rabbi Gershon Hanuf. His son was the base Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov Liner. So this is the grandfather of the Radziner Tzelas, Rabbi Mordechai Yosef Liner, who uh, was not, not in Radzin. That was also his grandson's doing. He was in Ishbitz. Originally, he was in Tamashav, which was the uh, sort of the minor league of Kusk Yeshiva. But okay. So this is Remorka Yosef Lana's first piece on, in his Me'ashiloach on uh, Kihiza. It's called Me'ashiloach because the Mem Yud is Mordechai Yosef. Anyone who cares? Me'ashiloach. Inyan Machtis HaShekel. Inyan Machtis What is the Machtis HaShekel? I know we read about this as Parsha Shkalim a few weeks ago, but uh, it's actually in this week's Parsha. Kihiza. This is, he's quoted from a Gemara in Kiddushin, it's also a similar Gemara, is by Rosh Hashanah, that a person should always look at their life, look at their uh, ledger, if you will. Half, half incriminated and half absolved, meaning uh, you've got an equal scale, an equal scale. Asa mitzvah achas asherav, Right? If you do one mitzvah, praised is the person that does one mitzvah who then weighs down the side of merit that he's going to be judged favorably. Hainu, what does that mean? You should not have periods. You should not think <coughs> you should not think that you are takif um, could be like strong. Right? David, takif. Takif la'ad, right? Takufot. It might, could be, you feel like you're so great. You should never think like you're so great, but also, shalotit yitya'esh. You should never think like you're so uh, undeserving or giving up. Abandoned good, neglected. V'zehu ha'ashir. And that's what it means when it says about the master of Hashakel. Ha'ashir lo yarbeh. The one who is wealthy should not think he's so great. Lo yarbeh. Ha'ashir, the wealthy one, should not be so great. Conventional, or, or literal, what, literally what the Pasuk means is that when, a, when you come to give the Master Sashakel, everyone gives the same amount. The, the rich person gives Master Sashakel. The poor person, Master Sashakel. And as we said today, uh, it's, about, it's about $6, the Master Sashakel. Even the poor person should find a way to pay $6. Do we have 1964 half dollars on ours, or don't we? Do we have what? 1964 half dollars. Oh, you mean from the year 1964? Yeah. Oh, because the rate is 0.64. Yeah. 
Why? What's 1964? 1964, they were made out of silver. Oh, really? They are not silver. Interesting. So those were... So so what what was the... um, How much silver was in one half dollar coin? Okay. 60%? So it has to be one gram. It has to be 9.6 grams. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so it has to be 9.6 grams, at least according to the post. So, so, so that's the literal translation of the, a literal understanding of it. The poorest person and the richest person are all giving 9.6 grams of silver. About, uh, you know, $6 worth. And, but here in the Remortify Yosef Lana's interpretation, what it says is, has sheer loyarbeth, those who are rich, who think they've done a lot, loyarbeth. Don't think you're so great. But hadal and those who think they haven't done a lot, Lo yamit, right? You shouldn't you shouldn't think of yourself as as less. Mimachtis hashekel from machtis hashekel. What's machtis? Machtis means you're always in the middle, like chetzi in the middle. Machtis. What's hashekel? Shekel could be the weight of money, but it also could be lishkol is to weigh, is to balance. You should always be balanced. Machtis. You should always be in the middle. This one should never go down. This one should never go down. You should always feel like you are deserving. And not undeserving. That you're great and not too, not, you know, not too terrible. Right? You have to have that balance in life where you recognize your own greatness, but also don't get too full of yourself and recognize that you're not so great, but also not too, so not, not, not too much not so great that you think low of yourself. You always have to have that machtis. Rakhtamini the chetzi hamishkal should always be in balance. You should always have that half and half. We've talked about that before. The famous phrase of Rav Simcha Banim of Shista, that a person should always have two notes in either pocket, right? That Anochi Afar Ve'efer, that I'm worth nothing, and Bishvili Nevraha Olam, that uh, that for me the world was created to recognize. At some points you're going to need to remind yourself what's in this pocket, and in some points in life you're going to have to remind yourself what's in the other pocket, because sometimes you get low and you have to remind yourself that you're Bishvili Nevraha Olam. Sometimes you get too high of yourself, you have to realize I know the upper affair, and when you uh, when you bring one or the other is is really the trick, is really the the name of the game. How do you know when to use which pocket, and when to uh, remind yourself of your greatness? I was reading a book recently called The Confident Mind, and it talks about if when a person gets sort of a a, a loss of confidence, that they should uh, remind themselves of the other great things that they've done. A similar concept, to sort of to not lose confidence, to remind yourself. Don't you remember last week you had that great accomplishment, you had that great achievement? So that's what it means. Even if you feel poor. So don't, don't get so down on yourself. Don't lessen yourself. And if you're ha'ashir, if you think you're so great, don't be so, uh, don't be so great. Don't be so high on yourself. So that gets the start of the Mashiach. Moving on, we have... Let's just see if I'm on the right page here. I'm not. We have, unfortunately, the Egel Azav. I find this, <coughs> these next two ideas from the Chesed Rebbe to be the types of ideas where it's kind of like I've read these Pesukim over and over. I've never thought about it like that. That kind of thing. The first one is more of a drasha, but the second one is actually very intriguing just in terms of the pshat. Very interesting. Vayifen vayered Moshe Minahar. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, you got suru, I forgot what he says. Sur, suruna. I forgot what he says. Um, he says, go look, because the people have become, uh, you know, wayward. They've, they've gone and they've worshipped this golden calf. What's fascinating about that is, does Moshe believe him or not? 
does Moshe believe Hashem when Hashem tells him the Jewish people are worshiping the golden calf? Must not because he only dropped it after he saw it. There's a Sporno asked this question on the Pasuk. What do you mean? Hashem tells you what happened, but you don't, you still take the little that with you? Yeah, Hashem says, you leave those here, you know? You're not taking those anywhere. But Moshe thing takes them out, and then he goes and, oh yeah, Taka, they are worshiping golden calf. I'm going to throw these down. So what's going on? That's not assuming the, uh, the letters that says with the letters. Yeah, yeah. There are a bunch of Midrashim that we could ask Kashas about. But uh, the point is, that why, why is Moshe Rabbeinu leaving? With the Luchos in hand, he should have thrown them down already. Says the Katskarebi, Vayifen Vayerd Moshe Menahar, Er Hadzich Gemacht Ein Ponim. In himself one face. <laughs> no. Huh? Pinim. Pinim, he means. Sha'asa la'asma pinim. I think it's pinim with a shva. Moshe Rabbeinu made himself inward. Pinim, I think. If you, there's a footnote here that expands upon it from a different safer. These to b'shem harebi mekask. Achar chet After the Jewish people sinned with the golden calf. Vayif and vayered Moshe. Sha'asa lo pinim. He made himself inside. What does that mean? He knew that this was a very difficult time for the Jewish people. That they sinned so terribly like this. Nonetheless, He made it understood only on the inside. And nothing that he did on the outside changed. He didn't change anything he was doing. Only once he came close to the camp did he change what his plan was and throw down the luchos. This is all about humility. That a person doesn't change their actions, the person doesn't change what they're doing just because they get some kind of message, even if it's from Hashem. They have a certain equilibrium, a certain uh, contentment about what they're doing, why they're doing it, and even if something bothers them or something gets them excited, they still stay even keeled. They still stay calm and humble to recognize that this is what I'm supposed to do regardless of what, uh, what messaging I'm getting otherwise. Everything's always equal. His heart never gets too haughty. He only sort of keeps his humility. That's the opposite of Bilam. That Bilam always got very, you know, full of himself. Right? If you remember the story, they say, oh, we'll give you all this money if you would just do this or that and that. Right? He just gets full of himself and changes based on what people tell him. Even if after he, he uh, after he uh, was, was told to Hashem, he was still swayed by what people said to him. It's a very interesting word. He's always with I would I would say equilibrium. Yeah, even keeled. Without any change, even though he had unbelievable cognizance. Of, uh, uh, of divine, you know, uh, divine guidance. He was always humble. That's what it means. 
panim. I think it could mean panim like the face, meaning he changed so, the, the way he looked. I assumed that what it meant was that he gave that, that he, he internalized it, but nothing on the external. Okay. Meaning he made it he made it internally. He focused on it, but on the outside he did he didn't. You know, things happen to us and they affect us, but we can't allow them to affect us on the outside. We hold it in, we process it to the extent that we can. But on the outside, we have to stay calm and collected about uh, whatever whatever projects we have going on, whatever uh, responsibilities we have. You can imagine, you know, whether it was in the good or the bad, either direction, something happens to us, but we still have to, you know, we still have to come home and be our parents to our kids. You know, uh, you, you still have to stay uh, humble. I remember, did I mention this recently? The the CEO of Pepsi story. I heard this from someone. Maybe it was a Mishnah class. I don't know what the woman's name was, but I heard this story once about uh, either the current or the former CEO of Pepsi when the day she finally got that promotion and she became the CEO of Pepsi. Big moment in her life. She's working for this to be a million dollar, you know, millionaire, whatever. I don't know what what that probably comes with, but she comes home that day and her uh, and her mother was taking care of the kids while she was away on business, becoming the CEO of this huge company. She opens the door and the mother says, oh good, you're here. Can you go to the supermarket and get some milk? And she says, what do you mean? I, 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 have, I have like great news. Like, we need milk. The kids need milk. Go to the store and get milk. And she recalls this scene as if to say like, doesn't matter what you do in life, no matter how excited you get, how down things are, you have to still be a parent. You have to get the, sometimes you have to go get the milk. You know, bring you down to earth. So same thing with Moshe Rabbeinu. Unbelievable things that he was able to understand, unbelievable things he was able to be privy to through Hashem, and then also very terrible things that he had to deal with the Jewish people. Moshe Rabbeinu's humility kept him even keeled. This is guy, I got to deal with this. And that's what Moshe, that's what the Katharabi says Moshe Rabbeinu was doing here. Vayifen, that's the word, Vayifen usually means to turn away. Vayifen, he turned away, and he went down the mountain. Says Katharabi, no, Vayifen means he internalized it. And Vayar he still went down the mountain. Why did he then break the Luchos is the obvious question. And the Sparno says he did so to teach the Jewish people a lesson. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't feel he needed to, to, to break the Luchos. The Jewish people needed to see that the Luchos were broken. If he did it up in Shemaim or he left them there, they wouldn't have seen that. Wouldn't, they wouldn't have gotten the same lesson. And then comes a mashal I've never heard before. I never heard this mashal, but it works very well with something I said last night at the board meeting for those who were there. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, I spoke about this last Shabbos also, just as Pesach, If you're not going to forgive the Jewish people, so please erase me from this book. Erase me from the book. In fact, I said that last week because the term says that's why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in Parshish Tetzavah because he has to actually, actually uh, fulfill some part of what Moshe said. So Moshe says, erase me, so Hashem erased him from Parshish Tetzavah. We asked our kashas and answered those last week during the drasha. If you need a review, you can ask a couple of people here. Says the Katsuka Rebbe, a different understanding. Moshe Rebbe says to Hashem, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, it is fascinating that a lot of Hasidic drashas ask the question, wait a second, you didn't say what would happen if you forgave them. I agree, the Pesach says, if you forgive their sin, empty space, and if not, so then erase me from your book. Yes, but what happens if, what happens if you forgive? Wrong. It should say something like, yeah, it should say, Cain, or Tov, and if not, so then the Cain is a So a lot of, what? 
if he forgave them, they would, they would go to the... I know that, but Moshe didn't say anything. I know what you're thinking. Is it obvious? I don't know. We don't know what Moshe wants. So yeah, you could say it's obvious. You could say that. But uh, other uh, Hasidic explanations are, regardless, whether you're going to forgive them or you're not going to forgive them, that's what you're going to say. That's a very Hasidic drasha. But uh, we're not going to necessarily go down the road, but I think you can make it work. So says Moshe Rabbeinu, or says the Kasper, I don't get it. What are you going to what are you going to accomplish by being erased from the book? Are you threatening Hashem? You need me in this book, right? What is, what's the 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 line in um, that movie? A few good men. What's the line? Yeah. You want me on the wall? You need me on the wall? I just mentioned that last Shabbos. I grew up on that line because of Sports Center and Stuart Scott. But then I realized what it was from. Either way, you want me in this book? You need me in this book. Hashem doesn't need you in this book. What kind of threat is that? Ask the Kasturebi, Hashem doesn't need you in this book. What are, you, what are you going to change if you're not in the book? How is that going to help anybody if you're not in the Torah? So what? You won't be in the Torah. V'teyot HaRebi Mikas says the Kasturebi, V'shem HaMagid MiDubna. Who's the Dubna Magid? Yaakov Kranzer. And Kranz, uh, Kranzer. He was known as Kranzer even though it's probably his last name, whatever. Um, who was a, 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 you know, a world-renowned, on a world-renowned, Europe-renowned storyteller among the Jewish people. He was a real Magid. We say the word Magid nowadays when we think Hasidim. He was not a Hasid. He was just a regular Magid who would go around from town to town and teach and try to inspire through the stories that he would give. He actually crossed bridges. He was a very good friend of the Vilnagon, and he's also a very good friend of the Kaskarevi, which is interesting, you know, how those the cross paths. The, the, the ages are a little off. The, the Vilnagon is much older than the Kaskarevi, but nonetheless, it seems like Kaskarevi had a relationship with him. Um... So, apparently the Kutzke Rebbe had, had three stories that he loved of the, the, the Magni. This is one of them. I don't know the other two, but that's what, they, that's what I have here. Either way, so he says from the Dubna Magni, there was once a king. I wonder who the king is. Anyway, there was once a king. I always love There are always kings, as if it's a mushal. It's not a mushal when you're using a king. The king was going to different places to, to, to catch him some meat. And there were these vast, you know, uh, you know, areas of desert that he could spend forever wandering then. One time, it happened. The king was wandering in the field. The king was wandering in the field and uh, he was days without drink or drink or food. And then, he saw this little light from a distance. He saw this little house people were living in. When the, uh, when the owner of the house saw the king, he, he, he welcomed him in. He fed him, he gave him to drink, and he brought him back to his palace. When the, Melech, when the king came back to his palace, he wanted to give back to the, uh, to the king, to, sorry, to this, uh, to this peasant, I guess, 
that, that, that did so much for him. Velasquez lo kesa brag, wanted to give him a lot of money. Ulama hu l'rasu l'kabla. He didn't want a lot of money. Rasa ma'alchim n'osu starvim em shala. He wanted to appoint him an officer over the, uh, over the, over the people in the kingdom. Abal hu lo hit im l'zeh, ki lo hayim l'umad. He said, I, I can't be, I can't be an officer. I didn't go to college. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trained as an officer. As if that mattered back in those days, but okay. Rivasos, <laughs> in the end, he wasn't an officer. He was the one that would sort of rubber stamp the punishment. He was memuna al ha'onshim klomar. Not the execution. Shelo, yeah, just okay. That's a good punishment. But he didn't do any of the of the actual punishing. Until he said, yeah, that's a good punishment. You don't need an education to you know to to confirm punishment. Okay, so this is what this guy did. But he became the officer. His friends and family heard, hey, did you hear, you know, Uncle Bob became the, uh, became the officer over all the punishments. So what happened, as you can imagine? They thought maybe they would get some money, but turns out he didn't take any money. So instead they decide, okay, at least we can break a few laws here and there. We can, you know, skirt on our taxes. We can speed a little bit. Yeah, whatever. They knew that their friend was going to get them out of it because he was in charge of the punishments. He's surely going to erase it. That's what happened. They started with petty crimes. He said, okay, fine, don't punish them. And when they noticed that they were never getting punished, so oh, this is not a bad deal. Let's, let's ramp it up a little bit. More and more stringent punishments, uh, uh, um, crimes. Until they started to make counterfeit money. That is a very serious crime. And the, and the penalty, the punishment, you either die or you go to prison for 20 years. Those are your two options. Okay. Seems like it's an obvious choice, but okay. And when it came to the officer, their friend, their family, it would be worse if he was quiet. And he brought them to court. And he said, these people have counterfeited money by and they deserve the death penalty. He said, don't, you, you can't hold them responsible. Instead, you should release me from my position. They're not guilty. It's my fault. I know these are good people. Since the king appointed me, I made them into criminals. Right? I know people are familiar. Second movie reference from today that I got from my non-Jew. The, uh, the, um, what? They made me a criminal. Now I'm thinking of uh, the Shawshank Redemption. What does he say? I had to come to prison to become a thief. I was a good man on the outside, but I had to come to prison to become a thief. One day you'll know as much of my non-Jewish friends about movies. Uh, either way. So, they realize they're never going to get punished. But it's my fault that they thought that. 
They knew that I would forgive them. Therefore, they got all the way to the moment where they were willing to counterfeit money. If you just absolve me, fire me, get rid of me, so then they will resort, revert back to being good people. And that's what happened. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying. The Jewish people have been sinning because they know they've got me on their side. Because I'm here, they keep doing the wrong things knowing that I'll get them out of trouble. They know that if they cry about not having water, I'll get them some water. They'll cry about not having any food, I'll get them some money. They want some clothing, I'll get them some clothing. They want to get through the ocean, I'll split the, I'll split the sea for them. They know that, but that's only because I'm here. They, they went, they ramped it up and up and up until they finally made a golden calf. What an unbelievable nimshah. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, erase me from the book, not because I think it's some kind of threat. Hashem, you need to be in this book. But so the Jewish people will be good people again. Because they're only, they've only become bad because they, I'm their crutch. I've been the one that's been the mediator between everything they do wrong and getting on their, and your good side. Hashem. If you just get rid of me, everything will go. This, by the way, is the theme of the rest of the Torah. As they're going towards Eretz Yisrael, as they're making their way to the, the land where ultimately Moshe Rabbeinu is not going to be with them, there's this constant struggle of the Jewish people being worthwhile on their own without Moshe Rabbeinu. I mentioned this last night, Kizem Moshe Ha'ish, the Jewish people clearly needed Moshe Rabbeinu. They thought they needed Moshe Rabbeinu to connect to Hashem, and really they didn't. That's the theme in, later on in Parshas 7:7. It's not across the ocean, and it's not you know It's not in the heavens. The Torah is not in the heavens. Who's that talking about? Talking about Moshe. To the people that are going to say, who's going to go up into the heavens to get the Torah? Because they know that's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe is telling them, you don't need someone to go to the heavens anymore. Right? That's the rest of the Torah is trying to convince them, you don't need me. But Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to preempt it all the way already here by the eagle of Zion and Hashem. I need, they need to know that they've got to do this themselves. They can't use me as a crush anymore. And how, how often is it that we use, uh, use ourselves as crushes for our children, for our colleagues? We don't let them, uh, we don't let them take the training wheels off and fail on their own. Because if we would only let them fail on their own, only let them figure it out on their own, they'll realize that they can do it themselves and they can't rely on us to get them out of trouble. Um, and easier said than done. But certainly a worthwhile message to remember that Moshe Rabbein is saying to Hashem, the Chayin and the was not some kind of tact, you know, uh, some kind of tactic to, 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 to leverage Hashem. Chas V'Shalom, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't think that he could do such a thing. But it's rather to say, maybe this is how we're going to teach the Jewish people. Take the training wheels off, let them, uh, let them swim on their own, and hopefully they'll figure it out without, uh, without sinning again and, and relying on me to get them out of trouble. That was the story of the Dibbidimagna that Katsukarebi, one of three stories that Katsukarebi loved of the Dibbidimagna to teach what it means, please erase me from, from your book, so that the Jewish people will learn, not necessarily as a threat, to get the uh, to get the Jewish people forgiven, exactly the opposite actually, to get them forgiven, but uh, not because they they're not deserving of it, but because Moshe Rabbeinu is taking taking the brunt of that uh, of that liability, just like the uh, just like the officer was for his friends. 
Okay, thank you to the Barth, Adina, and David for sponsoring Neshama of Avigail Bas Binyamin. Should have an Aliyah. Everyone should have a good Shabbos. Be well. Thank you.